Chapter 9 Badman's Fraudulent Dealings to Get Money Please, Mr. Wiseman, try to tell it with as much brevity as you can. Why, attentive, are you weary of my relating of things? No, but I prefer to hear a great deal in few words. I confess I'm not skilled that way, but I will cover what I can of his past life as briefly as I can. Again, I'll start with his fraudulent dealings. I've shown you this with his creditors, and so now I'll show you how he did this to his customers and those he had to deal with otherwise. In his dealings with them, he used deceitful weights and measures. He kept one set of weights to buy things and another to sell things, methods by which to buy and different methods by which to sell. Those he bought by were too big, and those he sold by were too little. Besides, he also used a thing called sleight of hand. If he had to make a deal using other men's weights and measures, he turned to manual resourcefulness, and while his customer or seller looked on, he typically performed some trick to turn the deal to his own advantage. Along with this, he was skilled at figuring wrong to his advantage, either by weight, measure, or money. Such incorrect figuring often proved to be his worldly advantage and their loss. What could his customers say to Mr. Badman at this point? And if they did question him regarding whether his figures were accurate, he had his servants ready to vouch for him and swear to his accounting or his word. This was Mr. Badman's practice. So what do you think about Mr. Badman now? Think. Why, I can only think he was a man who, if left unchecked, was a wicked man. These things you describe, just like his other behavior, were bad things. If a tree ought to be judged by its fruits, then Mr. Badman is clearly a bad tree. Scripture For a good tree does not bring forth corrupt fruit, neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush do they gather grapes. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is good, and the evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Luke 6, verse 43-45 But please, further satisfy my curiosity. Show me now, by the word of God, the evil of his practice, first regarding his use of false weights and measures. The evil of that? Why, the evil of that is clear to every eye that sees it. Unbelievers who live like beasts and bullies in many ways despise and hate such wickedness. Just let a man see such goings-on as he walks by, and even through natural understanding he'll see enough to make him loathe such an evil practice, although Mr. Badman loved it. But can you show me something out of the word against it? To be sure. First, look into the Old Testament. Scripture you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in measurement of land, in weight, or in other measure. Just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hin shall ye have. Leviticus 19, verses 35-36 This is the law of God. 
and according to the law of the land, all men ought to obey it. Along with this, there is the verse that says, Ye shall have just balances, and a just ephah, and a just bath. Ezekiel 45 verse 10 Now, having showed you the law, I'll also show you how God takes to men deviating from it. Scripture Double weights are an abomination unto the Lord. Proverbs 20 verse 23 And a false balance is abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 11 verse 1 Some have honest weights, but false balances. And by false balances and honest weights they deceive the country. For this reason, God commands first of all that the balance be made honest and true. Otherwise, they are nothing more than deceivers despite their just weights. God has commanded that men have an honest balance and has testified that a false one is an evil practice to himself. Then he proceeds on to weights and measures. Scripture Thou shalt not have in thy bag different weights a great and a small, Deuteronomy 25, verse 13. That is, one by which to buy and another by which to sell, like Mr. Badman. Mr. Badman also had these. Scripture, But thou shalt have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure shalt thou have, that thy days be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God gives thee. For all that do such things, and all that do unrighteously are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Deuteronomy 25, verses 15 through 16. You can see how plentiful and to the point Scripture is in this matter, but a person might object by saying that all these verses are from the old law, and for this reason they have nothing to do with those of us under the New Testament. I'm not saying I think you should object in this way, neighbor, but in case someone does pose this foolish objection, let's also answer it from the New Testament. First, the one who makes this objection, if he does so to thwart the authority of those verses, will discover he is first cousin to Mr. Badman, because an honest man is willing to speak respectfully about those commands. I doubt the man who speaks against these verses in this way has only a little, if any, conscience regarding good. But let's look into the New Testament, and we'll see how Christ confirms these same truths. For we can see here that he commands that a good measure be made to others, and also a good weight. He tells such people they can be encouraged to do so. Scripture Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall man give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye measure out, it shall be measured to you again. Luke 6, verse 38. That is to say, from both God and man. You see, in the same way God shows his indignation against the dishonest man by taking away even what he has, he will also deliver up the dishonest man to the oppressor and the extortioner will take from him in the same way he has taken from his neighbor. Another scripture says, When thou shalt cease to spoil, thou shalt be spoiled. And when thou shalt make an end to dealing treacherously, they shall deal treacherously with thee. Isaiah 33 verse 1
The New Testament also reviews men's trading practices, including their weights and measures. This is evident from these general appeals. Scripture, do not defraud one another, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5. Lie not one to another, Colossians 3, verse 9. Let no one oppress and defraud his brother in any matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 6. Whatever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord. Colossians 3, verse 23. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Colossians 3, verse 17. To the praise of His glory. Ephesians 1, verse 12. Along with others. All these instructions and commands show consideration for how we live and talk with others in our dealing and trading, and consequently, they forbid all actions which are false and deceitful, all corrupt behavior. Now that I've briefly shown you that these things are bad, next I'll show you where God says they are to be found, for the conviction of those who use them. First, they are not to be found in the house of the good and godly man, because his God abhors them, but they are to be found in the house of evildoers, such as Mr. Badman. Scripture. Are there yet the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked, and the scant measure that is abominable? Micah 6, verse 10. Despite God's forbidding, despite God's demonstrations of anger against them, they still do such things. Oh, how unwilling the wicked are to let go of a sweet, gainful sin once they have hold of it. They tightly hold deceit and refuse to let it go. Second, these deceitful weights and measures aren't to be found in the house of the merciful, but in the house of the cruel, in the house of those who love to oppress. Scripture He is a merchant who has the balances of deceit in his hand. He loves to oppress. Hosea 12, verse 7 he is inclined to oppression and cruelty, and for that reason he uses such wicked things in his profession. Yes, he is an actual cheat. And as I hinted at before concerning Mr. Badman's breaking, I say again regarding his use of these deceitful weights and measures. It's as bad and as immoral as stealing a purse or picking a pocket, because it's plain robbery. It takes away from a man that which belongs to him even the value of his money. Third, deceitful weights and measures aren't to be found in the house of those who feed the hungry and clothe the poor, but will be found in the house of those who want to swallow them up. Scripture Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, and cut off the poor of the land, saying, When the month is over we will sell the wheat, and after the Sabbath day we will open the storehouse of bread, making the ephah small, and the shekel great, and falsifying the balances by deceit, that we may buy the poor for money, and the needy for a pair of shoes, and sell the refuse of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the excellency of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Amos 8, verses 4 through 7. This is such a detestable and vile thing in the sight of God. Fourth, God despises even the thoughts of business dealings of those who use false weights and measures. 
they are to be known as impure ones or something comparable. Scripture Can I be pure with false balances and with a bag of deceitful weights? Micah 6 verse 11 No, by no means. They are impure ones. Their hands are defiled, and deceitful prophets are in their houses. They've gotten what they have by evil greediness, and therefore must and will be counted among the impure, among the wicked of the world. So you see how complete and clear the word of God is against this sin and those who use it. And for that reason, Mr. Badman is rightly rejected from having his name listed among the godly because he used to defraud and cheat his neighbors by using these things. Well, I'm convinced that using these deceitful practices isn't considered such a great evil by some. Whether it's considered an evil or a virtue by men doesn't matter. You see by the scriptures that the judgment of God is upon it. It wasn't considered an evil by Mr. Badman, nor is it thought to be an evil by those who still walk in his ways. But it doesn't matter how men regard things, but rather let us adhere to the judgment of God. Because in the way we've weighed and measured to others, God will weigh and measure to us and our actions. And when he does so, as he soon will, then woe to the one about whose actions it will be said, Tackle, thou art weighed in the balances, and art found wanting. Daniel 5 verse 27 God will pay back their evil of deceiving upon their own head when he shuts them out of his presence, favor, and kingdom forever and ever. It's a wonder that, since it was Mr. Batman's common practice to do this, one or more people didn't discover the truth and blame him for this wickedness. With the majority of people, he got away with clever practices. With his balance, his false balance and good weight, along with his sleight of hand to boot, he misled them by his skill, sometimes a little and sometimes more. In fact, he misled most he dealt with. Besides, those who use this wicked practice are either like blind men with an outward appearance of religion, or they bully the buyer with words. I admit, Mr. Badman wasn't such a preeminent scoundrel at first. I mean, at first... He didn't cheat people using a pretense of religion, but he began to grow threadbare, while some of his brothers and sisters were renowned enough for this practice. Remember, at the start of this, I told you he had a great many companions, and none of them were good. They were known for bullying, swearing, and lying, and when they applied these things to weights and measures, they were seen as suitable to Mr. Badman's customers. So it seems he kept good weights in a bad balance, which is better than if both were bad. Not at all. The depth of his deceit ran deep, because if someone discovered what he was doing, he scarcely used them. And if they wanted their just weight of things, he replied, Why didn't you see them, Wade? Don't you believe your own eyes? If you question my weights, please carry them to whatever place you want. I will claim them to be good and honest. He said the same about his scales, and so in this way he blinded the discernment of all by his balance. This certainly is cunning, but, like you say, something must be done or said to blind them in this way, and all I can see this is what Mr. Badman did. Yes, he blinded people in many ways, and while his tactics were never out in the open, 
he didn't hide them behind a pretense of religion. While he cheated his wife with this ruse, he was too well known by those who lived near him to do that. When he did try it, he botched it. But some people are outstanding in this wickedness, for they look like they live a totally religious life while they are guilty of these most horrible sins. Religion and true professors of faith are never at more of a disadvantage. As Luther says, in the name of God begins all mischief. For hypocrites have no other way to bring their evil ways to maturity than by using and mixing the name of God and religion with them. As a result, they become whitewashed walls. By this white, the white of religion, they hide the dirt of their actions. In this way they become like graves that don't appear to be graves, and those who go over them, that deal with them, are unaware of them and permit themselves to be deluded by them. Scripture Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are likened to whitewashed sepulchres, who indeed appear beautiful outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones, and of all uncleanness. Matthew 23, verse 27. If a doubt should arise in the heart of a buyer about the weight and measure, as will sometimes happen, he allows his senses to be deluded when his customer's religion comes to mind. He thinks that his good customer is concealing nothing, like himself, because he doesn't begin to dream that his customer can deceive. But if the buyer finds out the truth, it will become clear that he has been pulled in through deceit. Then amends will be made, and Mr. Cheat will be restored, and perhaps fault will be laid upon his servants. And so Mr. Cheat will continue in business as if he is an honest man in the eyes of his customer, even though he will pick his pocket again the next time. Some justify their cheating by saying it is a common practice, as if that can acquit them before the tribunal of God. Others claim they bought an item for such and such a price, and so another must take it for a certain price with a lack of weight or measure. But in all these things there are sleight-of-hand tricks, or if not that, such people know they must follow justice and righteousness. Deuteronomy 16, verse 20. Suppose I'm cheated with forged money. Does that mean I have to cheat another in the same way? If this is bad in the whole, it is also bad in segments. Therefore, no matter how you are dealt with in your buying, you must still deal honestly in selling, or you sin against your soul and become like Mr. Badman, and know that to claim it is a custom is worthless. It's not a custom or routine that will help at God's tribunal, but rather a good conscience. I'm convinced that anything gained by men in this way does them little good. I am of the same mind regarding that, but this doesn't even cross the minds of those who think like this, because if they can get it, even though they get the devil and all, by their getting they are still content and think their getting is a significant success. Why do they think like that? They don't really know, any more than they consider what they will do on the day of judgment before God Almighty for receiving what they do wrongly. They don't think about it at all. But to give you a more direct answer, this kind of gain does them no good at all, because by it they lose their own souls. Scripture 
For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Mark 8, verse 36. He loses, then. He who attains a thing in this fashion loses greatly. This is the man who is careful and economical in small matters, while being wasteful or extravagant in large ones. This is the one who loses his good sheep for a halfpenny worth of tar, who loses a soul for a little of the world. And as a result, what does he get by it but loss and damage? In this way he gets, or rather loses, as regards to the world to come. But what does he get in this world other than hard work and sorrow, annoyance and disappointment? Men aim at getting happiness, I mean worldly happiness, but the man who tries to get happiness like this won't have it. For even though an inheritance can be hastily gotten in this manner at the beginning, in the end they won't be blessed by it. They gather it and think they will keep it. But what does Solomon say? Scripture, The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but wickedness shall cast out the wicked. Proverbs 10, verse 3. Thy riches and thy treasures I will give to the spoil without price, and that for all thy sins, even in all thy borders. Jeremiah 15, verse 13. All thy treasures I will give to the spoil, because of the sin of thy high places throughout all thy borders. Jeremiah 17, verse 3. As I said, the time they enjoy it will do them no good at all, in the long run, because in the end they must not have it. For God will either take it away in their lifetime, or in the following generation, according to Job. Scripture, He may prepare it, but the just shall put it on, and the innocent shall divide the silver. Job 27, verse 17. Also take into account what is written in the Proverbs. Scripture, A good man shall leave an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Proverbs 13, verse 22. So, what does a person get then who gains through dishonest means? Why, he gets sin and wrath, hell and damnation. And now tell me, how much does he get? We can be bold and say, along with David, that this is what he receives. Scripture Behold, these are the ungodly men who prosper in the world. Psalm 73, verse 12 And I have seen the foolish taking root, but at the same time I cursed his habitation. Job 5, verse 3. For thou shalt not prosper in them. Jeremiah 2, verse 37. For a while he can make a commotion, bully, and cause trouble. But God has determined that both he and what he does will melt away like grease, and any observant person can see it as so. Look at the unrighteous man who gets much in an unjust way and loads himself with thick clay. Scripture, Woe to him that multiplied that which was not his, and for how long would he pile thick clay upon himself? Habakkuk 2, verse 6. It rapidly withers, it decays, and even he or the generation following him declines and returns to poverty. And this Mr. Badman, 
along with his cunning and crafty tricks to get money, did die. And no one can say whether he's worth a fourth of a penny or not. I think he knew every swindle possible for a man to get money. One would think he should have been rich. You calculate a little too fast when you consider his sly trickery to get money, because he had more deception besides this. If things were difficult for him, and he thought he could take advantage of them, he had the customers in his books come in anyway. He imposed his worst, even a very bad commodity, on them for the price the best was sold at, like those who sold the chaff or the worst of the wheat, making his unjust weight heavier than it should be, while hoisting up the price. Scripture When the month is over, we will sell the wheat, and after the Sabbath day we will open the storehouse of bread, making the ephah small and the shekel great, and falsifying the balances by deceit that we may buy the poor for money, and the needy for a pair of shoes, and sell the refuse of the wheat. Amos 8, verses 5 and 6. This was Mr. Badman's way. He bought inferior goods far below value, and then sold them at the price of the best. He also had a trick in which he mingled his commodity, so his bad goods could be sold off with the least mistrust. Besides, if his customers paid him money, he would usually attempt to call on them or their acquaintances for that payment again, especially if he thought there was hope of making money by this trick. If they couldn't produce sufficient proof regarding the payment, they paid it again a hundred to one. Sometimes the honest buyer in the marketplace demanded his employees give a receipt to show proof of the payment, but they were trained by a bad man and answered as he would answer so they found no relief that way. It is a bad, yes, an abominable thing for a man to have such employees. For by such methods, a poor customer can be ruined and have no idea how to help himself. Sadly, if the boss is so unconscionable, as I perceive Mr. Badman was, to call for his money twice, and if his employee willingly swears that the debt is due, where can such a man turn for help? He must sink for there is no remedy. This is very bad, but it is also a practice that's been around for hundreds of years. But what does the word of God say about it? Scripture, I will punish all those that leap on the threshold, which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. Zephaniah 1 verse 9 KJV Mr. Badman was also skilled at getting an advantage over a man if his market man didn't dare to stand up for him, or if the commodity he wanted couldn't be conveniently purchased elsewhere. If that was the case, let him look out, because Mr. Badman would surely force his purse strings open, and he'd extract what he wanted without pity or conscience. That was extortion, wasn't it? Please, I'd like to hear your judgment about extortion. Why it is, and when is it committed? Extortion is pressure from men more than from the law of God or righteous men. It is sometimes carried out by those in office in regard to fees, rewards, and similar things, but it is most commonly committed by men of trade, who without conscience have the advantage when they make their neighbor their prey. In this way, Mr. Badman was an extortioner. 
Even though he didn't exact and take money forcibly like bailiffs and clerks do, he made use of his opportunities with such cruelty that in his own way he often extorted and forced money out of his neighbor's pocket. Every man who takes advantage of his neighbor's pressing needs like prey and forces him to pay more than current prices, prices above reason, can very well be called an extortioner and is judged as one who has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Scripture Know ye not that the unjust shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not err. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9-10 This bad man was certainly a sad scoundrel.